Hey, good morning, everybody. And also, Delaware and Belleville. You know, if you guys are watching, welcome. We're glad that you join us today. Um, I wanted to start with a story out of Psalm 137. I forgot to pray for Pastor Penn. They're in Ohio today at a field of freedom. Or last night, I don't know how all it goes. We got some Ohio people here. We're glad to have you too. Um, they put on this big event. It's called the Field of Freedom. They set up at the tent, the tent that was out here. They took it down. Um, I saw a video last night. I was like, boy, we're going to have to do that. They got these strobe lights going up over the tent. It looked amazing. Anyway, a lot of people come uh, from the way I understand, Amish background, different people, people that know about God but might not know God personally as their Lord and Savior. So we pray that they have an amazing time <clears throat> out there. So anyway, I wanted to start with a story out of Psalm 137. It's a story about the children of Israel. And uh, they went through a time when the Babylonians came and they took them captive and they took them away in another land. And, you know, they're a worshipful people. They had temple worship. They had harps and all that kind of stuff. But when they got into the enemy land, when they're in bondage, they hung their harps up in the trees. So they stopped singing. They stopped worshiping. And their captors said, hey, why don't you sing us songs from your home country? Like, sing us some of the songs of Zion, right? Because they had this joyful noise. And I guess even the other nations knew about it. And they said, you know what? How can we sing when we're in a strange land? Or how can we sing when we feel discouraged? You could say it that way. And so they gave up their worship. They gave up their, their song of praise because they felt this level of despair and discouragement. When it's actually what you have to have to carry you through that season. Right? is a song of praise or thanksgiving. So I think we're in a time now where there's people that feel like we're losing freedoms, right? Or things don't look how we like them to look. And uh, it looks like the world's going in a, in a direction that we don't feel, that we don't like. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to just, I feel something going on in my voice. We'll try to clear it out. <clears throat> Hallelujah. All right. There we go. Can you hear the difference? Anyway, people are going through a time when it, life looks scary. And so there's people that can actually just, the, the darkness looks such that it affects us, right? We can begin to focus on things out there maybe our situation or circumstance that we don't like, and we begin to feel discouraged. And instead, we actually have to, our thanksgiving has to be turned up. you got to take those harps down out of the tree, and that's actually something that's going to carry you through. I thought of Isaiah 60. Anybody know the first verse of Isaiah 60? Raise your hand. Hey, you got it. <laughs> you got it. I think this is an Isaiah 60 time. I think... I mean, there's a lot of times that are Isaiah 60, maybe all the time. 
But right now is an Isaiah 60 moment. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness covers the earth. Great darkness, the people. Or great darkness covers the people. Have you seen that? Does it feel like that to you? It really does to me. It feels like that. And so I feel like this is a moment that we must arise and shine. I, it's so easy for me to see the darkness and to begin to focus on that. Oh, wow. Look at what's going on in the world. Like, whoa, there's, there's, there's dark things going on. There's things that I don't like to see happening. And I began to feel this like just a level of discouragement. I think that is actually, that's not just me. I think it's affecting a lot of people. And it's a time to arise and shine because there's nothing that's as attractive as light in the darkness. I remember we just passed through the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And I don't know if you remember that day when that happened, but the world was full of fear. There's people that are full of fear today. And I remember so well that day, um, I was working with, I wasn't working. My father was working. I was beside my dad. He owned a hardware store. And there'd be people that come in. And it's, it's, it was a conversation of everybody. Like, no other conversation happened that day except, have you seen what's going on? Have you seen what's going on? And I remember people coming in, and they're so frightened. And my dad would... One time after another, he'd reach across the counter and he'd say, can I pray with you? Can I tell you about Jesus? I'm not scared. I know Jesus is with me. Can I tell you about my Jesus? Like, do it over and over. And, and before you know, there's tears running down their eyes because something in my dad's life is affecting them. And it's the light of Jesus. And he was doing that. He was arising and shining. And the light was shining bright. And thank you, Dad, if you're watching. My dad sometimes watches me preach, so I still remember it. It made an impact on my life. This is the same kind of moment. I, I seriously think that we can have a huge impact if we, if we live that kind of way today. So anyway, I was talking about this discouragement thing. So I went on a walk, and I was, I, um, I was just talking. And I, I was praying, and I said, God, why do I feel this, like, why am I so discouraged? I just, I just felt it. And instantly, I remembered a quote from a Bible teacher called Chris Valton. And this is probably seven or eight years ago. And I remembered he says, Thanksgiving, or he, he felt like the Lord spoke to him this thing. Thanksgiving is the inoculation to discouragement. And we don't use the word inoculation very much anymore. We use the word vaccination. <laughs> That's a bit of a loaded word, and I don't want to get too far into that because, you know, I could get in trouble from either camp. You know, some think it's the mark of the beast. Others think you're killing grandma if you don't get vaccinated. So anyway, we won't go too much further. Inoculation basically was when you take an agent, you bring it into a environment that makes the disease ineffective, okay? That's a very simple thing. So if you think of yourself, if, if uh, you're the environment, okay? 
you're the environment. If you bring Thanksgiving, the agent, into your situation, it makes discouragement ineffective. I don't think that you can be a very thankful person and remain discouraged. It might not change your situation in the moment, but I don't think the two coexist very well. Like the track, the train doesn't run together a whole lot. You either have, you either have one or the other on board. Does that make sense? Can we talk about vaccination just a little bit? Y'all know how vaccination started. <clears throat> Some of you do. I don't know. I, I, I remember studying this quite a while ago, and I thought it was so fascinating. So vaccinations, um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> None of us are old enough to remember the days when 30% of the people in your town died because the disease came. You know that? We're not old enough to remember that. I, I, I've read many stories, history books, where it said they had five children, but none of them lived, you know. So Civil War time is just a disease often claimed the lives of people. So smallpox, when smallpox would come through, smallpox would literally kill 30% of the people it infected. Not everybody in a community would get, the, would get the disease, but if they got it, 30% would die. That's, that's crazy. Like we, that's, that's hard to think. So I think they estimate half a billion people have died from smallpox. Smallpox doesn't exist anymore because there was a, there was a priest or I, I, forget, I forget who. Somebody noticed. Somebody noticed that the, cow, that the milkmaids, the girls that milked the cows would never die from smallpox. And like other people, it just affected. But the girls who milked the cows would never die. Never got smallpox. So they, he started asking himself, why is that? And there was a disease that they knew as cowpox. Cows got a disease that caused big scabs on them. And uh, he, this idea came to his head. He thought, what if I take the scab off the cow, I grind it up into powder, and I blow it up somebody's nose with a straw? <laughs> Who wants to volunteer? <laughs> Actually, that's how inoculation came to be. The word vaca is the word cow. So vaccination. So anyway, they started doing that. It was effective enough that they made it mandatory in the 1850s in England. So if you think things are new, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> um, anyway, this is America. We still got freedom. Do we? Do we? Anyway, inoculation. How did this work? So he would blow it up. Sometimes people actually died. Like it wasn't like he didn't have everything figured out yet. But it was, it was effective. There is no smallpox left in the world except in a lab, two places. I think one in Georgia and one in North Carolina or something like that. And so we like when things that are in labs stay in labs. So we don't want that one to get loose again. I'm not sure how I got talking about all of that, except if we're back to Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is the inoculation to discouragement. Does that make sense with you now? All right, you got that? 
All right, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about 1 Thessalonians 5.16. See if we can bring that one up. We're going to get some Bible in us here. <laughs> You're feeling the joy of the Lord, right? <laughs> First Thessalonians 5.16, here's what it says. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Now, I, have a, I, have, I actually have a journal where I keep track of, I try to keep track of, like the mighty things, the amazing, like the goodness of the Lord. So when I see a major healing or like, you know, wow, God showed up for me here when he, when there's like miraculous provision, I write those things down because I want to remember them, okay? It's good for me to go back and actually read where God showed up in my life. Um, you can experience that stuff, and it's amazing how quickly you seem to forget. But I also want my kids to remember, like, where God showed up. But this is actually way past that. He says, give thanks in all things. What's that even look like? Like, how do you do that? <laughs> all circumstances. Everything. Why? You know why? I'm going to tell you a secret because Thanksgiving releases the power of God in your life. I truly believe that. I think Thanksgiving is a key that releases the power of God in your life. And so the first thing that our natural tendency is I come into something, ah, this is miserable, and Thanksgiving shuts off. Our harps get hung up in the tree, right? Like, we, it's easy to start to complain. Here he says, actually, don't stop. Don't stop with it. Give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God. Thanksgiving releases the power of God in your life. If you think of Paul and Silas, like they got into a little bit of a mess, not a real pleasant circumstance. They get thrown in jail. And it's like, you know, back then when they threw you in jail, they just lacerated your back. They cut you wide open. You're a bleeding mess. And so they stick you in. Your hands are bound. Your feet are in stocks. I mean, he's the one who wrote this. Give thanks in all circumstances. And he kind of lived it, too, because the story that we read is they started to sing. Like, I would actually start to feel bad for myself if I was in that. Like, God, actually, I, I, <laughs> here I'm on a mission trip, and this happens to me. Oh, my goodness. Like, he actually doesn't care. I think he just forgot. Here I am. I'm out here. No, they start, oh, man, we get to suffer for the Lord. God, you're so good. These sing. That's, that's where the songs they were singing came from. I'm going to sing of the goodness of the Lord. Like they began to sing in that jail cell. And all of a sudden, something happened. An earthquake actually shook their shackles off. They got set free. Not only did they get set free, others got set free. Like Thanksgiving releases the power of God in your life. It's Bible. Deal with it. I'm not the one making it up. Okay? Okay. <laughs> 
we're going to go through a couple other verses here. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Let's read that one. This is Paul, and he's talking about the thorn in the flesh. Okay? So he says, if we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he said, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So if you look at that word, um, boast, therefore I will boast, that's actually the word rejoice, okay? I will rejoice. All the more gladly about my weakness. And if you look at that word, that could be a disease, it could be infirmity, sickness, weakness, Basically, put in here anything that's not pleasant, okay? I, I, I don't like this situation. It's not pleasant. It says, I'm going to rejoice in it. Why? Because that the power of God may rest on me. <sighs> Thanksgiving releases the power of God in your life. It does. Something happens. I remember... I was on a, um, on a drive, well, okay, back up a little bit further. This is years ago. I'm trying to sell my house in Pennsylvania, and it just wasn't selling. Like, there was nothing I could do to change it. Nobody was in the market for my house, but I had to sell my house to be able to buy the house we had on Burns Terrace, and we wanted that house. Like, we were, our, our hopes were, were all set up for that. But nothing was happening. And our time, our contract was like running out. I could see it. And finally, I found a buyer that wanted to buy the house. And so we're driving down to Pennsylvania to meet the buyer. And I'm excited that finally this is happening. Like, all right, good, finally, finally. And I'm going down through the mountains of Pennsylvania. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. And I see it's the buyer. And I'm like, oh, no, what's this? And he called and he said, Oh, you know, I think I'm going to back out. (laughs) I just felt this cloud of despair just settling in on me, like heavy. Anybody ever have that feeling? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. And I remembered I just pulled the car over the side of the road. I'm like, this can't be happening right now. Like, that was our last shot. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? I pulled the car over the side of the road. I remember Amy saying, you know, what are you doing? I just, I can't talk right now. So I get out of the car, and I just walk around the side, and I remember just I kind of waddled into the woods. <laughs> and when I'm in the woods, I raise my hands. Oh, God, I worship. I, I, I knew, like, it was my, it was like I had to cling to something, and I began to worship the Lord in the woods. Not because I really wanted to, <laughs> kind of out of, like, oh, God, I need you for my sanity right now. Anybody ever do it? Anyway, I actually felt a level of peace just began to surge into my heart. It wasn't like something changed in that moment. But God came and he was with me. Thanksgiving releases the power of God in your life. Even on the side of a road out in the woods, something happened. I remember a story that Harold Eberly talks about. I don't know if 
you know who he is, but he's a Bible teacher. And I remember he said that when he really needs to hear from the Lord, like when nothing's happening in his life, he says, I'll take three days. I'll take a week and I'll go to a cabin out in the woods. So he's out in the Cascade Mountains, up in the mountains. And he says, you know, I'll go into it and I'll just begin, you know, kind of like a sailing heaven. Like I'm fighting for an answer. God, I got to hear. I got to hear Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. He says, you know what? Usually I just get that prayed out of my system, like all that fighting stuff. And he says, sometime in the three days, I'll just be out walking with the Lord, just like taking a walk. And I'll, I'll get all taken up in a little leaf or a pine cone, and I'll, I'll hold it up. I'll just begin marveling at God's creation. I'll say, God, you're, you're such an incredible creator. Look, you make beautiful things. This is incredible. Oh, God, I worship you. This is amazing. Like, okay, like you don't do this kind of stuff in front of people, but you do it when it's you and the Lord. You know what I mean. And he says, just in that moment when I'm like, oh, God, you're incredible. You're amazing. God will just drop the answer right in his mind. It'll shock him because it's out of nowhere. Thanksgiving releases the power of God in your life. Complaining never has. Newsflash. I'm talking to myself. <clears throat> so there is, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like annoy anybody, but are things not going well at work? There is a place to rejoice. Like God, you know, whatever situation, if it's in your family, there's a place to begin to rejoice. Because Thanksgiving releases the power of God in your life. It really does. Liz Catlin was here and she actually read the next verse for us. She's not here now, so I'm going to read it. <laughs> we did that just because to celebrate and honor what she's walked through. James 1, 2. Some of you know what this one says. We're going to read it. James 1, starting in verse 2, going through 5. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Consider it pure joy. Do you even know what that looks like? Here's what it looks like. If you got kids, think of Christmas. Think of birthday. I know what it looks like on my kids. Pure joy. I don't know that I know how to live up to this standard yet. But actually what it's saying here is like, find a reason to celebrate. Like when you come into a trial, find a reason to celebrate. What's it say the end result is? That you'd lack nothing. That you be complete. So Liz Catlin, some of you know her story, but she literally, for the last three years, this has been the story of her life. And if you knew Liz, you know that her faith is completely at a different place. Like, she walked through the trial of a lifetime. Last week, this past week, a bunch of us were down at the courthouse, and we got to see... Something that feels like it was miraculous. You know, having 94 out of 95 felony charges 
just dropped. And I, I, watched, I watched that process. And the DA, I'm thinking, this district attorney is, like, this is incredible. It, it was almost like he's fighting for her, which was beautiful to watch. But the last three years have been the, a roller coaster, trial of a lifetime, difficult to rejoice. But if you could just firmly in your heart have it that God has good in store for me, God actually loves me in the middle of this. He actually has my good in mind. If that could be a conviction in your heart, it'll carry you. And just like Liz, you'll come out on the other side a different person. And because of the story of, that she's fought, now there's going to be a vote in, in January. We pray that that community midwifery bill goes through. But the freedom that she fought for wasn't just for herself. It's all these other midwives in New York State. Those are the kind of amazing things that can happen. <clears throat> Thanksgiving releases the power of God in your life. All right. Luke 17, then we're going to, that, that'll be the last one. Are you guys still with me? All right. Luke 17, we're going to read 11 to 19. So, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Here's what I want to draw your attention to. There's a difference in the word cleansed and the word made well. You might not think it's much. You might think I'm drawing too much out of this. I don't think I am, actually. The word cleansed literally just means to be healed. So these 10 guys, I don't know what condition they're in, but they might have had digits that are already fallen off. They, like leprosy, you didn't look nice. Like you were completely ostracized from your community. You had to stay away from everybody. You, you could hang out with other lepers, that's it. They come, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. So they're on their way, they're still, they're still a mess. As they're going, all of a sudden, ah! A finger came back. Like it, was, it, it had to be incredible. And so they're showing each other, ah, look at my fingers, look at my skin. It's, it's, it's all new. And so they're so excited. And you can imagine they take off running toward the temple to show themselves. That's, that's where they get their certification of health. Anyway, I got distracted by a thought. And we, won't, <laughs> we won't go into that thought. I heard of a preacher that's using this story. Anyway, <laughs> go show yourself to the priest. That's where they went. <laughs> One of them thought to himself, you know what? I actually have to go back and talk to that man that, that told us. So he turns around all his 
buddies are running that way. He turns around and runs back to Jesus and falls down and says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, you know, I'm healed. Thank you so much. And Jesus said to him, yeah, where's the other nine? But hey, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And if you look at the Greek, that's a different word than the word cleansed. That's actually, he uses the word sozo. So he's, he uses a word that says, your faith has made you complete. Your faith has made you healed spiritually, physically, emotionally. You're, 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 you're made whole. Everything's made well inside of you. I think there was another level of grace that was released into this man's life by his returning and giving thanks. I think thanksgiving released the power of God in his life in another way. So, you ready to do this? Why don't you stand up? Can we do this? <clears throat> I want you to, to pray a little prayer, but more than that, here's what I want us to do is choose this for a lifestyle. Actually, that I don't shut it off when things become hard. When the world gets dark, I don't uh, give in to that discouragement that I see in everybody else's face. Rather, I could be like David. David has entire life burned down in front of him. And it says that he actually decided that he's going to encourage himself in the Lord. So just close your eyes right now. Why don't you take your situation? Why don't you take what you're experiencing right now? And make a choice. What train do I want to be on? <laughs> There's a train that's full of despair. Or you could actually just choose to give thanks in all things. You could choose to rejoice in that unpleasant situations. You could consider it pure joy when you encounter a trial because you know God's actually on your side. Thanksgiving releases the power of God in your life. It's in the Bible. Let's believe it. I just thought of this verse this morning. But there's a, there's a time when Abraham was believing for a promise. And he, he didn't see it. I think it's Hebrews that says that he was strengthened in his faith as he gave glory to God. So make a commitment in your heart. God, I'm going to choose to worship you this week. I'm going to choose to have a heart that's filled with thanksgiving. I'm not going to be a host for discouragement and despair. I choose to throw off those things by filling my heart with thanksgiving to the Lord. And just like Paul and Silas, I, I believe that your, your life will affect people around you. 
And that when you win that battle, when you fill your life with thanksgiving, it's going to affect the people around you. The freedom that you're fighting for, it'll affect their lives. It's just the other way. It works true as well. When you live discouraged because of what you see going on around you, it has a way of influencing their lives also. So God, right now we choose to give thanks in every circumstance. We choose to live our next week this way. And I pray that you'd teach us how to make this a lifestyle. That we would be the happiest people in the world. You think we could do that? joyful let's just say a quick prayer for Pastor Penn out in Ohio as well what's happening at the field of freedom Father we pray that you'd encourage Pastor Penn's heart that you'd give him vision Lord, thank you for that event that's happening at that field of freedom. And I pray that freedom would happen in many, many hearts. That they would experience revival. Your joy and your love flow into their hearts. So, Father, I thank you for this time that we had here this morning. Reading your word. I pray that you give us faith to actually believe it and act on it. filled with hope. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.